about three things, we were absolutely positive. First, this was a podcast about young adult fiction. Second, a part of us, and we didn't know how dominant that part was, loved these books. And third, we unconditionally and irrevocably hated them. Hi everyone, I'm Chloe. And I'm Fran, and this is Breaking Down the Way Saga, a podcast where two grown-ass women revisit their favourite young adult books with some new opinions and added sarcasm. In this episode, we'll be revisiting Twilight Chapter 2. Obvious spoiler warning, uh, if you haven't read the series, why are you here? And we'd like to say a huge thank you to Fop Noodles for our amazing artwork. It's good that you did part two of the reading because I would have just read chapter one again. (laughs) (laughs) How have you been doing, Chloe? How's your day going? I have been great. Um, I haven't done much. There is a potential that my cat may just come in and shout. I have I have four cats to anyone listening, and one of them is the shoutiest boy you'll ever meet. He's called Crookshanks, and he's adorable, so we forgive him for it. Um, also, I open my water bottle a lot. I yeah, she does a lot. So apologies, I didn't mention it last time, but hey, apologies in advance for every future episode. <laughs> You guys, we got new microphones. We're still figuring them out. I'm still waiting for like soundproofing stuff on my mic because it literally records everything. (laughs) And I'm just waiting for the booster for mine because it doesn't really pick up any sound because I had to get a cheaper one. But I still love it. (laughs) I love how we need to boost one up and then dull the other one down. (laughs) Our microphones are like on the opposite end of the microphone spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) I also love how we're pretending as if we're not like literally calling each other every day and knowing exactly what's happening in each other's lives. So uh, this episode, uh, we're looking at chapter two of of Twilight. I forgot what book we're reading. (laughs) (laughs) Like a genius. Uh, Fran. Have you read it most recently? Do you want to give a rundown of what happened in chapter two? Yes. So uh, chapter two, we're starting off with Bella being kind of, well, her day to day is a bit better and it's a bit worse. She still is not so keen on the weather. Um, She's happy or a bit happier that she finally has some people to talk to um, and can spend time with, you know, her human friends, as I like to call them. Um, But the day's worse because Edward's not in school. And also she's not been sleeping very well because she keeps like thinking, oh, what did she do wrong? Um, Is he not here because she did something? We also learn a bit more about her relationship to her mom and her dad. Uh, And then in the end, Edward returns and we have the famous onion comparing scene in biology lab where Edward talks to her for the first time. And it's all very exciting. Also, there is snow. It's quite a main feature of the episode of the chapter. It's been a very exciting chapter. So my first plot point that I had on this was the constant emphasis on how much she hates the cold. Um, It's, I know it's because it's meant to be later on that like when she touches Edward, she's like, oh God, he's cold. You know, like she has this whole deal with it. But I've never met someone that hates snow as much as Bella does. 
I do. <laughs> like every, but like everyone is like, it's I get like it is cold. I don't know. I just found it really funny, but I just love the the entire chapter is just reminding us she really really hates the cold and i as a first time reader you'd be like all right okay so she hates the cold i get it this time <laughs> it's just a funny way to get the plot in there just being like it's really cold and she hates it she just really hates it i also have the fact that haha here it is finally finding out why she's so like why she already knows everything because she was in advanced placement at her school yes and they didn't have advanced placement at this school obviously otherwise she'd be doing that why did we wait till the end of chapter two to find out why bella is such like such a know-it-all not really a know-it-all but why she does know everything already um it seems like a weird place like i don't know why she didn't just start with that on her first day of school being like it's going to be a bit weird here because i was in ap classes at my last school yeah um but that that goes back to the points he made last time so I'm, I'm happy about that and uh and the fact that she finally explained why she moved exactly so i love I, that you already covered two of my three points as well. she um it's just i don't know why she had to wait so long i guess it's so that she could have a conversation with edward yeah about why she's moved and she's like oh no one else is really interested and i, I bet other people asked her but she doesn't listen to anyone unless they're fit so like Mike's probably didn't ask her, and like Eric was probably sat at the table, like, "Say, Bella, why did you move to Forks?" And she was like, "Oh God, the chess guy's talking again." <laughs> she probably didn't even hear him. It's like, "Oh, did you just hear this like weird noise in the background somewhere?" <laughs> it sounded like chess, <laughs> chess and spotty faces. <laughs> so yeah, we now know that it's because Phil had to travel around, and her mum was getting sad that she wasn't able to travel with him. And it, it makes sense. It doesn't feel like such a forced thing. It just, it again, it just feels weird as a placement to put it so late in the chapter. But I think that's just to give her something to have a discussion with Edward about. Yeah, I think so too. And my other last point that I have is just, I love, I, I love like foreshadowing stuff in books. Um, and they're already, um, as we mentioned, that they're planning this beach trip where we all know it's going to be La Push Beach. La Push, baby. La it's push. La Push. <laughs> Where she's going to meet Jacob. Yeah, I forgot that she didn't even meet Jacob, like, way before. Because in the film, he's there when she gets the car. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I completely forgot about that. But they knew each other when they were younger, when she used to go fishing. But she probably doesn't remember him, because fishing was so traumatic. So traumatic. But yeah, this is basically also all I have in plot, is the ones the is that we get some answers to the questions we had in the first episode um, about why she's so smart and why she moved to Forks. And just, I love the little foreshadowing for La Push. I am going to be honest, I would have probably written down something about La Push if it wasn't for the fact that I'd forgotten that in the book she didn't, I literally just read chapter one, but I forgot that Jacob wasn't there. That's why I didn't bother making a note about it. <laughs> yeah, the way I just mentioned, um, I think they definitely mentioned Billy. I don't think they mentioned Jacob. I wrote something down about it, and then we just didn't discuss it. Yeah, La Push and Billy Black were mentioned in the first chapter, but no Jacob. I think he said his son. I don't know if you know, I can't remember if this was his name, but I just... Um, so I then, I do have quite a lot of stuff for uh, character development. Most of this chapter for me was, I think, like character development and relationship stuff. 
Yeah, same. So my first character development note is that Bella is remembering names now. It's been one day. I love the fact that it's only been one day. But uh, I also have the issue that she's still, although she's remembering everyone's names, she is still only finding attractive people friendly and wanting their attention because she was happy talking to Mike. She's happy. He was like basically in love with her and everyone else. It's a bit more like, oh, these guys again, but not as like annoyed as she was the day before. I love how this has all happened in one day, like the yeah. first bit of her starting to remember names. Like you see, went home and reflected and realized you were being dumb. <laughs> I didn't understand is the fact that the day was worse because of Edward not, Edward not being there. Yeah. And I didn't really understand why. I get that she maybe wanted to confront him about it, but also she doesn't want to confront him because she's quite shy. And she's so worried about seeing him. It's probably best that he's not there. And she just gets really fixated on it. And I, I'm guessing it's because, you know, we're going to see that change within her and their relationship and stuff. Oh, her complaining about school being really, really repetitive. And it's her second day. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, Bella. But it's like, she moans about it, but she's not as moany as the first day. So I still was like, well, good for you for not being as annoyed today. <laughs> yeah. No, I wrote that down too. Like, she's still complaining and really moany and really annoying. But a lot of her sarcasm shows a bit more. You know, and the way she she um talks about stuff in her inner monologue, and also how she now like starts talking to other people. It's like you you get a bit more of like character through when you're like, yeah, you're just not you're not a total bitch. Like yeah. there is there are some lovely traits to you, which yeah, I I really like her sarcasm. It's very dry. <laughs> um, I then have a note of when Charlie comes home. He she says he doesn't put the uh. Magazine doesn't take the magazine out of the gun because she's not depressed enough to shoot herself on purpose. And my favorite thing about that is, I reckon on the first day he came home, was like, I need to put the gun away. <laughs> I literally wrote that sentence down and like for random stuff I wanted to talk about because I loved it so much. It was like the whole, I guess he considered me old enough now not to shoot myself by accident and not depressed enough to shoot myself on purpose. I really love it. But I guarantee the first day when she came home and she came out crying, he was like, yeah, I need to put this somewhere sick. <laughs> oh, that Bella actually smiles now. She hasn't actually said she smiled at all. And she smiled and she said hello to people. And that is a huge improvement from the first chapter because I don't think she smiled one time. <laughs> and that she is starting to like forks, which I feel like she's going to feel like a right idiot because the day before she's like, forks is the worst thing in the world and then the second day she's like okay so it's not bad now she's like do you know what i can live here it's the same as the car she hated that car see she should have learned from the car i said this already but she should have learned from the car she surprised herself by liking that and now she's liking forks like come on bella i think that's such a teenager thing though um like such a true teenager trait when i think how dramatic i was during those like years like 15 16 17 I think you're it, you're really in this mindset of, oh, you know, my life is ending. So I think we were just all really overly dramatic as teenagers, where you you just think your life and your world is gonna end, and then you know the older you get, you you give stuff a bit more chances because you've you've learned from being in these situations before. Where I feel as a teenager, you know, everything is so dramatic and your world is ending. 
But she did just learn the day before that she hated the idea of a truck and then she loved the truck. <laughs> my other character development note was my favourite character development note of the whole thing is now the Cullens aren't thirsty. They are just so happy. Like they're messing around in the snow together. They're all like sitting around the table and like laughing and seem like normal people. And they're just like, although they're like not talking to anyone else, they're just in their own little bubble still, but having the best time. And it's such a short description of it, but I love it. Yeah, I thought it was really like endearing to read. They were acting like an actual like family. Like they all, I, I feel like in chapter one, if someone said those people will live together and related, and you'd be like, okay, sure, but I don't think they are because they hate each other. And then when you see them now, they're all just messing around and having a really good time. And it's it's such a nice change to see that. Yeah. And I don't, well, I didn't obviously include that really in the film. You just get that that bit episode. <laughs> You just get that scene with that with Bella seeing them for the first time, and they all just stare at, like off into space, and they're not like interacting with each other and or anyone else, which is in the book. And then the next time, really, you get to see them all again. It's just you don't see that side of them. It's it's just like they keep with the. So I'd just forgotten that the film's obviously changed it a little bit, and I just really forgot how like fun they are all together. Yeah, I feel like the only time you can really see it in the films is during that baseball scene. Yeah. Do you have any other character development points? I don't know if it's very much character development or if it's more um, relationship with the day being so much worse that Edward wasn't there. And she has been losing like sleep over thinking about confronting him, which I mean, on, on one hand, I get because sometimes I reflect on conversations that I w- wish they would have gone differently. But then also, I feel like in a school where everyone is so nice to you and there's this random guy that has a problem with you, I, it's always a bit weird that she's so hung up on that, um, especially yeah. because she says she thinks and she has that feeling that she's the reason that he's not here now. If someone would have that big of a problem with me and then not turn up the next day, I would be like, maybe he's at a doctor's appointment, maybe he's ill. So moving on from, from that point, I've actually got my first note on uh, relationships is also about Bella and Edward and her obsession with him. Yeah. Because throughout this chapter, before he comes back into school, she is just nonstop banging on about him and I just find it really strange I get that when she first met him uh she didn't have a great interaction with him but I've never known someone that I thought didn't like me that I became so obsessed with them like people don't like you they don't like you maybe some maybe other people reading it are like no actually I've done that I've been really obsessed over someone not liking me but I've not experienced that I just think it's just a bit too much she is so obsessed and it just it kind of shows how like this obsession she has now really comes back again in the next book oh yeah 100% like, it's it's a really unhealthy obsession and i I'd, I'd love to hear like someone's take on it that oh you studied stuff you might know <laughs> um you study brains i do <laughs> what's this like the site like a psycho <laughs> oh psychologist's perspective of how she's obsessed with him my god like i'm still i'm still studying i wouldn't say this is an expert opinion definitely not um yeah it's definitely not healthy you need you need to have like a balance in all departments in a relationship um so it's incredibly unhealthy if you have one part that's just so obsessed with the other person later on when you really think about it that edward is edward is kind of the same um towards her i'm i'm still wondering if it's from like curiosity because she's different 
in yeah. some way or if it's your smell or what it is but I, but I sometimes feel like yeah Bella is a really emotionally unhealthy individual but then Edward is too so they're kind of perfect for each other can I can have a bit of a better look into that because I also think yeah when I was reading I was like that yeah the like obsession with the person is just not healthy I mean it's one of those things that you can also see with when fans get so obsessed with celebrities yeah to the extent where it literally feels like you're having a breakup with a person because you can't be with that person like having a cry because you couldn't meet them having yeah. a cry because you met them or also sometimes because you see yourself in a relationship with that person but you're obviously not the amount of people you see that think they're friends with a person that they admire like not even necessarily like celebrities but like because I, I see it happen sometimes with um just like just people you see it in school like in school sometimes but you see it in adults too like just that having such an admiration for someone and then just making this whole fictional relationship in your head to it just become something ridiculous and then when they don't want to talk to you you get so upset about it yeah. because you're like but why don't they want to talk to me like because they don't know you exactly yeah it's really hard because um on one side obviously with celebrities or other people that you might look up to you know a lot more information about them than they do about you they might not even know you exist and then that can literally be yeah people have gone to therapy about about that um yeah it also it has a name i need to look up a bit more stuff about it we did a whole lot about it last year for anyone interested i'm studying forensic psychology uh, last year was a lot more about you know relationship based stuff this year has been full on serial killers and um law and justice system so i'm a bit out of the whole relationship thing <laughs> but I'll, I'll look it up so moving on from that intense talk about relationships and still staying in our relationship department <laughs> uh, I've got a, a note about um, Mike her and Mike obviously are still uh, getting closer from this this chapter um, and she still keeps she just keeps talking about him and like he's the best thing about being at that school um, and she's getting a really good relationship with him which in the one hand it's really great that she's making a friend being friends with Mike has led her to becoming friends with other people so that that's working out for her for a benefit but she is really obsessed not obsessed she's just really uh, stuck on Mike being the friendly one at the school um and I love how my one of my favorite moments between her is when they're walking to class together and then someone like throws a snowball at the back of her head and it's just Eric <laughs> and I know they're like she was just like he was walking the wrong way to class that's obviously him yeah. and I'm like, do you know what though I kind of get it because he has been just as nice as she's yeah. ignoring him <laughs> I don't know whether he was attempting to throw it at Bella or if it was like he aimed at Mike but he hit Bella but either way I can I completely understand his annoyance and throwing an unfriendly snowball <laughs> damn chess club Eric <laughs> my next note is this is my favorite I think actually this this is my favorite note of all of it because you know how uh, last time we recorded I said I love finding a ca character that's been written gay by accident yes I may have found one <laughs> Charlie is oh my god I love Charlie he is he has so much admiration for Carlisle but he also like has a whole thing where he doesn't stop banging on about how hot Carlisle is <laughs> Bella says something about the Cullens. She's like, they're attractive bunch. She's like, oh my God, you should see Carlisle. I don't know how the nurses work with him. I know he doesn't say that exactly, but he does bang on about the nurses having to work around Carlisle, who's so hot. And then he's just like, 
yeah we're just lucky like Esme just wanted to like have a nice quiet life like so it worked out for them and and it's the most <laughs> Charlie speaks so far in the books it's about Carlisle and I love it I love how he gets so angry at Bella because she thinks she's being rude about his kids and he's like oh my god he's like so good though don't be rude about his children <laughs> and I'm just like I think I worked out why because I don't unless it says anywhere else but I really feel like Renee left because Charlie was gay that's well, what I take from this chapter I think next next chapter is the one where she has her like almost car accident um and I think isn't he visiting her in hospital maybe I saw some of the films um but we'll see <laughs> I'm really, I, I really can't wait. I've just, my whole, I've got this whole note and I was like, is this my secret gay? <laughs> yeah, the minute I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, it was Charlie. Yeah, I, no. think I was looking out for one of, one of the teenagers or yeah, one of the Cullens, but no, it was Charlie. <laughs> I loved it. I just loved it so much. He was just so defensive and just really like bringing home to everyone that Carlisle is hot. And I'm guessing that uh, Stephanie did not intend for that. I think she was just trying to bring it home to the audience that they're an attractive family. But what she did was wrote someone a bit gay, I think. And I'm really happy if she has. On a bit more of a negative downer note, um, still to do with her parents, she got a bunch of emails from her mum and then just kind of replied to them a bit like, meh, or being annoyed that there were so many emails. And I thought that was really odd because in the first chapter she kept banging on about like how great of a relationship she has with her mum and how her mum is literally the only person she can trust and talk to and whatever. And then she gets all these emails and she's a bit like... (sighs) Also, one of the emails was literally saying, can you just like email me when you get get to your dad so that I know you're safe? Yeah. And she's so annoyed by that email. I was like, but she could... I mean, she said, I was waiting for something to write about. Like, but you could have just, like, emailed her back to say, I am here. Um, I don't have a lot to say right now because I haven't been to school yet. So I'll yeah. send you an email in a couple of days. Like, that would have been fine. I don't understand why she didn't respond to the first email of to begin with of just tell me when you get there. Yeah, especially because she's doing a cross-country flight. Like, if I if I just fly back from Germany to England, like, I let my mum know, you know, I've just landed. It's all yeah. It's all good. Uh, oh yeah she later on in the chapter she's edward comes back and she suddenly feels really sick and she says that mike uh keeps like asked her with unnecessary concern about how she's feeling but i can understand from mike's perspective that him and his friend was like laughing and messing around together and then suddenly she felt so sick like if if I was with you and you were messing around and then you just went really quiet and was like, no, I don't feel well, I would ask you a couple of times to make sure you're definitely okay. Yeah. Like, that's just a friend thing. And I don't think it's an unnecessary concern at all. And I think it's just back to the fact that because Edward's back, no one else matters again. Also, maybe because, yeah, she gets along with Mike and everything, but then May's a bit more of a critique, but... Um, he's compared to Golden Retriever I mean I get what he tries to say with that um, yeah. that he's just really loyal and but maybe also like a dog stuck to her leg um, and she has to do something about it was literally a quote from it so that she starts to get a bit bothered about it that she's like yeah that attention is nice but also back off <laughs> But I think it's because he only asks he only asks her twice if she's okay whilst they're sitting at lunch together, and she gets really annoyed by it. And I'm like, but it's 
I can understand if he kept constantly saying, are you yeah. okay, Bella? Bella, are you okay? But he asked her twice if she was okay. And she was like, this is a bit much, Mike. And it was just almost like, okay, so Edward's back. So Mike is not as attractive anymore. Like, yeah. So he's unfriendly again. Like, Or it's a bit like that, do you know... I mean, you must have had that. I think everyone's had that at one point where you just don't, you know, a person is a bit too much for you at that moment for whatever reason. And then whatever they do is they're doing it wrong. It would have probably been a thing where if he didn't ask, that would have been a problem. And asking is a problem as well. A problem, yeah. Yeah. God, Bella, stop having so many emotions. <laughs> She's a teenager. They're just emotions. Whilst they're, yeah, whilst they're at lunch... And Edward keeps staring at her. And I noticed that he stares at her a lot. Mm. And I feel like if someone stared at me as much as Edward did, I would have more of a problem with it than uh, Bella does. Um, I feel like she doesn't say something about his continual, like, direct staring because he's hot. And I think if Eric stared at her the same way Edward did, there would be a problem. Yes. And I I think this is just, like... I think the her not reacting to anything and this whole like staring thing is like setting up their relationship but it's it seems like it just seems really intense like this is like from his side now of him being too intense yeah like stop staring like it's creepy (laughs) and literally she doesn't care that he's doing it because he's hot and like genuinely she would care anyone else in that room stared at her she'd be like oh my god why are you staring at me like she hates being stared at she said it before she doesn't like people looking at her she doesn't comment on the fact that it's making her uncomfortable or anything make up your mind bella do you want to be looked at or not (laughs) (laughs) she wants to be looked at by edward yeah they're both so they're just both so intense about each other and it's just too much it's really not healthy but it's portrayed as romantic and it's not romantic it's really creepy and really unhealthy like you shouldn't be like that (laughs) the the encounter in biology when they obviously now talk to each other i thought was a bit was was actually quite fun because i mean it's it is fitting for the relationship again. I feel like they both try to show off with their biology task. She kind of wants to show off to him that how smart she is and that she's capable. And then he also wants to show off. And then she wants to show off again. I'm like, what are we doing? I think because he's been to school like a thousand times, he is obviously he knows he's going to know the answers. And he's not going to trust whoever he's working with to necessarily know because he's not going to know she's done this before. So I feel like he's just instant like, ah. Uh, I know best situation is great and I I want to know what's going on inside his head the moment she actually has the right answer because like he's clearly not expecting a good answer to come from yeah her. like he doesn't show any like shock or anything but I just want to know I guess when we read the other side we'll yeah I mean that's we'll, we'll get to understand maybe his thought process during that but I am curious whether he suddenly got more interested in Bella because not only does she smell really good and he can't read her thoughts, not that we know he can do that yet. But for him, like, this is an interesting human being. And also, yeah. like, she's quite smart. Like, and he's quite smart, so there was nothing to talk about. Yeah. I, I, it's I, quite smart if he just has been to school so many times, he just remembers her. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she, she's just probably going to be, she's probably just the first human in a way or another that challenges him um, on some level. Yeah. Where yeah you literally you have someone and you, you expect something from them but then they just do the exact opposite thing which I also thought was really funny because obviously like you said he can't read her thoughts um and he it's the same thing with him calling her Bella and then she was like why didn't you call me Isabella why did you call me yeah. Bella and he was immediately confused by that because 
it must be such a new experience for him because he obviously usually he always knows what the people think like what people think as soon as yeah. there's something and then he can go from that reaction uh, but she just confuses him the whole time because there was something else later again where he's just like yeah I, I just don't get what you're saying um and I want to know because it must be such a dissatisfying thing for him to experience right now um and it's super <laughs> unsettling as well if you've yeah. gone through your entire life being able to read every person's mind and then suddenly you can't you'd be like am I broken <laughs> <laughs> but then my favorite thing was because she's then so confused about him continuing to ask her stuff and yeah. like stares at him and then he stares at her and then she has that thought of, of um he was obviously wondering if I was mentally competent <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think like the best bit like in that moment is they're both staring at each other and she's trying to like read his face to work out what's going on and he's genuinely trying to read her mind <laughs> sounds like such an awkward moment and i don't know i love it it doesn't feel as serious which i really enjoy i also love that immediately once the class is finished and like edward leaves and mike comes over like oh so he was talking to you she's suddenly like oh god mike i need to tell him like I need to let him down gently and stuff. And it's just really funny that she's suddenly just like, okay, Edward likes me, so bye, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Mike, that is the only editorial I have for this chapter. And it's just because of the way the sentence is phrased. Um, so I would just change the wording because it, it says the ice melting the spikes in his hair makes it sound like his hair is actually being melted because it's melting the spikes not the snow was melting in his hair it was melting his spikes and i know what she means like they're losing because obviously the gels like yeah the hairspray is washing out yeah melting is not the right word for that because that just sounds like his hair is just melting off his head <laughs> mike's going home with a bald patch is that what's happening does forks have really acidic snow like that's my only editorial i just changed the word melting it just it really threw me because I laughed at it for like 10 minutes. Not 10 minutes, but it was just ridiculous. I was like, it's not the right word for that. Don't say someone's hair is melting. Melting hair just sounds horrid. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's my only editorial because everything else I have written down is critiques. Yeah, I do have, I do have some critiques uh, which kind of just pick up stuff that we've spoken about before um, and in last episode, which is, again still how friends um how the friends are described literally you know because she spends time with my chess club eric was glaring at them which i'm like chess club eric really um and then later mike being compared to a golden retriever where i'm like it's just i mean it's again the thing you you can exactly understand and even like see in your head how what kind of people they are but it just yeah. doesn't sound like it comes from a nice, nice place, yes. <laughs> Which is something we already spoken about. And my other thing is, we continue with that stereotype about um, maths teachers being awful people. Um, the day was so awful because their maths teacher, she didn't raise her hand and he still asked her a question and it was wrong. So this obviously um, makes her whole day awful. And also she dreads doing maths homework, which I'm like, yeah continue on that stereotype her math teacher never had a chance i now will never know if they are a good teacher or not because she's always going to have a negative opinion on them i have uh, a critique about the cullens in this chapter what is with the brand obsession everything that they own has been described as like branded and designer and that i get that they like they have money but i don't does being a vampire mean you have to buy 
branded clothes? Like, do you can only you only wear Chanel if you're like <laughs> everything like, else burns your skin? <laughs> it was like I tried wearing Primark once, but it left me with burns. Like, <laughs> I think it's just it's another um, way to just have it being a bigger difference in you know any way possible it just seems a bit silly like they don't have to I don't think you need to mention that they've got brands of stuff like just say they dress really well for teenagers like I don't care it just it just seems like it's just weird that they've got a brand obsession just stop (laughs) it's odd it's so odd right my criticisms of Mike (laughs) okay I really hate how he goes and picks her books up for her. I can understand if it was like she kept throwing them on the floor or like dropping them or struggling. Like she wasn't struggling and he went over to offer help. He literally walked over, picked them up off the desk and started carrying them for her. And I think that's meant to be like cute, but it's really patronizing. Like she yeah. can carry her own books and she has been the whole day, unless he's been carrying them all day. Just leave her books alone, Mike. <laughs> At that point, I can understand why she's a little bit like, oh, Mike, because I would be annoyed too. Although I would say something. Yeah. I don't know why Bella doesn't just say like, why are you carrying my stuff around? I'm literally capable of carrying things. Maybe she's not. Maybe there's a <laughs> maybe, just, maybe I'm judging Mike and what we what actually happened in the scene was like Bella picked them up and they threw them all over the floor and then she couldn't pick them up either. And he was like, This is painful to watch. Oh, no. <laughs> um, he walks around like trying to like basically tries to like hold her hand through every school day and like look after her. Like she's a like a toddler. Like he treats yeah. her like she's this little toddler that needs constant looking after. I'm just I just understand I don't understand why he's like this I get that if you like someone like you want to help them and like be around them and like Bella's obviously the first person that he's been attracted to for a little while and teenagers like yeah okay when you're young like everything's a little bit like ah like I love this person because you don't really know what love is and you just fancy him a little bit you know yeah (laughs) I get that but it's just like it's just such an extreme for him to be just going around doing like everything for her. It's just so much. And my last critique is that she said that she nearly drove into a Toyota Corolla. Again, why does she know cars? <laughs> we start this book with her saying she knows nothing about cars, so how is she supposed to fix this old Chevy if it breaks down? And this is the second time now. Like the first time she was like, it's the shiny Volvo. Which you were like, it does say Volvo on the label on the la- on the label. <laughs> it says Volvo on the logo of the car. Yes, d- so, it does. But that would have to mean she still have to be like within reading distance of that. Yeah. But I'll give her the benefit of doubt for that. But okay, maybe she can recognise the Toyota symbol because again, that's not a particularly hard one to recognise if you've seen a Toyota before. But how does she know it's a Toyota Corolla? Bella, <laughs> make up your mind. Do you know cars or not? <laughs> I mean, she's one of those of those um kind of people that say they're not good at something so everyone else is surprised when they are actually good at it it's just that i feel like i think it was originally put in that she didn't like cars uh didn't know much about cars to you know emphasize this like worry of her getting this old car but then at the same time writing a book you have to explain things don't describe things that's the word describe you have to describe things and instead of being like there was this car and it was this shape or like this color she says the simple thing of like it's this brand of car and it's this model because people can then imagine that car without thinking about the fact that bella wouldn't know that and this is all written from bella's perspective yeah honestly yeah. i don't i don't know cars and there's so many people have asked me so what what car do you drive and like i don't like i drive my mum's car when i'm home and they're like what car is it I'm like it's red <laughs> <laughs> that's what i would say like what car do you drive 
a blue one. <laughs> I don't drive. There's absolutely nothing more than I can tell you about that car. I think it's an Opal, but I don't know. It's red. On the point of critiques, I think I'm going to put that in here now because this is something I really want to talk about. But when we when we're bashing on about Mike right now, I want to put that in. Uh, critique on Mike and the teacher, actually, the biology teacher. Yeah. The whole thing, which I just find so relatable, that they're underestimating her because they all think, you know, the biology teacher came over and was like, oh, you're already done, Mr. Cullen. You shouldn't, you should have let your partner do some stuff as well. And like, you just assumed that Edward did everything. It's only Edward's writing on the paper, but that's uh, still like. But that doesn't say anything. Edward- no, because when I do, I ain't go to school anymore. <laughs> when I did uh, group work at school, normally one person, whoever right. had the most legible writing, would yes. do the writing. So I, yeah. I don't understand why the teacher was like, Bella, um, do you want to do some work, mate? Because yeah. really, I would just be, I would just check and say, so how's everything going over here, guys? What, what did you find interesting about it, Bella? And try and judge from that way if you thought yeah. she hadn't done anything, rather than just being like, mm, Bella, do some work. But then also Mike comes on later, comes over later and then says, well, oh, that was so hard. Thank God you had Edward. And I'm like, it's the yeah. same thing again, where they just assume that the guy has done all the work. And I, I know it's a bit like stereotypical, but I find that so relatable because I've been in these situations before where I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm actually fully capable of doing stuff myself. I fold almost all of my furniture like all of my IKEA furniture in my room in England on my own and I still have people asking oh well who built stuff for me and like it's it's just those it's just those things where you just get really underestimated and yeah I like that she put it in in the book like a scene like that but it also it just makes me so mad I get that because like I do things here sometimes and then people automatically give uh, ben the credit because he's the man of the house and like, yeah um, actually I made that washing machine and plumbed it in on my own thank yeah. you very much <laughs> my mum was just like you need to learn how to do all these things because you don't ever want to have to rely on someone else so yeah. I so much stuff from my mum like household like building and just like general DIY it's great apart from that that's it for me yeah the only notes I have are just two notes that I wasn't quite sure where to put them I love how she just shoves all the groceries away and is like hope Charlie doesn't mind that I just shoved everything wherever <laughs> And I can relate to that because sometimes you come back from shopping and you're tired and the last thing you want to do is actually put things away properly and like well as long as it all fits in the fridge it's fine <laughs> I can relate I get it um and then later on that evening she's doing the washing up and she's complained but well, not really complains but like half complains the fact that she's got to wash everything up by hand because there's not a dishwasher there and I'm like dishwasher's a luxury like I don't have a dishwasher here I don't have a dishwasher at home if you have a dishwasher yeah. you're lucky like that's it's not like a common standard thing that when you get a house it comes with a dishwasher every house comes with a sink but like dishwashers you're just lucky (laughs) (laughs) i didn't see the point of her being like oh i had to wash them by hand because like loads of people read this book are probably like yeah me too (laughs) it's the same thing with her complaining that she has to share a bathroom with her dad i'm like yeah probably loads of people do (laughs) you're showing your privilege again privilege check (laughs) um so yeah, I don't think I have, yeah, I think I'll just double check that I haven't missed anything along the way. What I take away from the chapter, like the biggest thing is, I just like that, yeah, her humour and sarcasm comes through a bit more. Yeah. Um, she's not as cynical anymore as she was in the first chapter. Yeah, I've, I, I like that it's a bit more fun to read, where at the beginning, after every sentence, I was rolling my eyes. 
glad it wasn't another chapter of Butler being depressed about school. I'm still I'm still excited to find a plot hole in a chapter as well. There's a point we made a note of because obviously the points that we've set out are for every single book we read throughout this entire journey we go on. Um, and I'm kind of disappointed I haven't found a plot hole, but also happy that I haven't because I think you're the author. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I find it really disappointing when you find one. You're like, oh, but yeah. also exciting. Like, ha ha ha! I found a plot hole. <laughs> I want one of those moments and I I haven't so far but it's still early days my main takeaway from chapter two is that Charlie is potentially gay <laughs> I can't wait for him to s- I just want to see all the interactions with him and Carlisle and then I'm just going to note it and then maybe we're going to have to have like a separate like section in the podcast for for gay relationship times Baywatch <laughs> can play like some type of Baywatch music and run in slow motion or just <laughs> Okay, so I think that is everything we have to talk about today. So thank you to anyone, possibly just like one person. It's probably like one of our mums. <laughs> thank you for listening today. Um, we want to give a special thank you again to Basil for our cover artwork. You can find him on Instagram at popdoodles. You can find us on Instagram at breakingdown underscore podcast. Or you can email us at breakingdown.podcast at gmail.com. Our intro music is by Kevin McLeod and our outro music is by Simon Side. Until next time, and remember, it's not the end, it's the beginning. I mean, aren't we all just a bit gay? (laughs)